this morning, we are going to conclude our three-part series. We began this series a couple of weeks ago, and the title of this series is How the Resurrection Gives Us Hope. How the Resurrection Gives Us Hope. We started this series two weeks ago on Easter, and you might be wondering, why are we still talking about the resurrection two weeks after Easter? Why are we doing that? Uh, well, Bible teacher Tony Cook, a, a gentleman that I had the privilege of uh, hearing teach a few months ago in person, uh, he had a great answer for this question on, on Twitter on uh, Easter, two weeks ago on Easter. He posted this on his social media. He said, this is not, speaking of Easter, he said, this is not Groundhog Day. Jesus does not go back into the tomb only to pop out this time next year. Jesus is alive, forever alive. We should live in that reality all year long. How many of you know that's true? That's true. Uh, and so Easter is not just one day that we, we celebrate it and then we kind of get back to our life. But uh, it's actually something that we celebrate all year. And as I said to you last week, uh, really for, for Christians, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every day is a day to celebrate the, the resurrection. So in this series that we started two weeks ago and we're finishing today, we've been looking at ways uh, that the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. Ways that the resurrection of Jesus gives us, gives, uh, sorry, gives us hope. And so we said the first week on Easter Sunday that the resurrection gives us hope because it means that we can be completely forgiven. And we talked about that, the joy of forgiven. Uh, and we also said that the resurrection gives us hope because it means we no longer have to be afraid to die. Death comes to all of us. And uh, some people are afraid to face death. They are afraid to die. Now, uh, naturally, we cling to life as long as possible. Naturally, we, we want things done to prolong our life and the quality of our life uh, because it's a gift from God. But when death comes, when, when you trust in God, when you're a believer, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And that's a direct result of the resurrection because Jesus died and he came back to life and he proved to us that there is life after death. And then last week we, we spoke about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I said to you that the resurrection gives us hope because it opens the door for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's something that was available to us after the resurrection. It was available to the disciples, not before Jesus' death and resurrection, but after the resurrection. And today our, our big idea as we conclude this series is this. The resurrection gives us hope because it means that we have an eternal home waiting for us. The resurrection gives us hope because it means we have an eternal home waiting for us. And that place is heaven. We're going to talk about heaven today. We're going to talk about heaven uh, later this year as well. I'm, I'm going to uh, have a series on heaven uh, later this year, and uh, we, it, probably about 10 years or so ago, we went through a series on heaven, and so we're going to revisit that topic, and I think it's very important we do so uh, later this year. But today, we're talking about the fact that because Jesus rose from the dead, because He conquered 
death. That means that we then have hope that we will have an eternal home waiting for us in heaven. And so we're going to begin today uh, reading from 1 Corinthians chapter, 5, uh, chapter 15. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you have one on, on your phone or if you have a hard copy. We'll also have those scriptures up on the screen for those of you that don't have a Bible so that we can all engage together with God's Word today. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 20 through verse 23, reads like this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And verse 23 is very important. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So this verse tells us that Christ has been raised from the dead. And so that makes him the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And fallen asleep is a euphemism for those who have died. So what does the word firstfruits mean and how is Jesus the first fruits of those who have died. Uh, those who have died in Christ is what Paul means here. Well, the word first fruits means that this is a, a, the first element in a countable series or the first element in a series that can be counted. So if you have first fruits, then you're going to have other elements just like the first fruits coming later. So, for example, the, in, this, in this context, the first crop harvest of a season that's the first fruits but that also implies that there are going to be other harvest if it's a first fruits then there means there's going to be a second and a third and perhaps fourth and fifth so he's a first fruit which means that we're going to follow his he paved the way for us he was a trailblazer he, he paved the way for us and he's a first fruits in a couple of ways He's the first fruits because he rose from the dead. Then we also are going to rise from the dead. Then you mentioned how yesterday we laid to rest our, our cousin Emilia Ramirez, who was a, a godly woman through and through. And uh, so her body was laid to rest. But when Jesus returns at his coming, then the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And we'll meet him in the air. And, and so her body and our bodies, if we die before Jesus returns, will be laid to rest. But then our bodies will, will be reunited with our spirits. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he's the first fruit, first fruits. That means we're also going to rise from the dead. Now, that doesn't mean that when, uh, when a, a Christian dies and his body is buried, that he, he is in, in some... Uh, intermediate place, uh, his spirit is immediately in heaven, immediately is in heaven, and will be reunited with the body at the resurrection. And there's a lot of questions behind that, and that's one of the things that we're going to cover in our series uh, on heaven. So Jesus is the first fruits. He rose from the dead. We will too. The second way that he's the first fruits is that he rose from the, the, from the dead. He ascended to heaven. So 
that tells us that we also will ascend to heaven, a place that has been prepared for us. Now, I've discovered through talking to people and, and in reading surveys that this is uh, true, not just in my circle uh, of influence, but also throughout the world, that most people uh, believe in heaven. A lot of people, let's put it that way, a lot of people believe in heaven, but the reality is that they just don't really think about heaven all that much. They might think about heaven when a loved one passes away. From time to time, they might wonder what heaven looks like and what will we be doing in heaven. Um, but usually what happens is we're so busy with our earthly life that heaven is just an afterthought. We, we don't think about it regularly. And I think that's a mistake. I don't think that's what God intended for our lives. And I'll tell you because of what to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. Colossians 3, 1. Paul wrote this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. The realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Even back then, uh, Paul was addressing a problem, an issue that continues to today that I've just described, where we just get so busy with our earthly lives that we don't think about heaven. And Paul is saying, no, that's a big mistake. Set your minds on the things that are Set your minds on heaven and the reality of heaven. And, uh, and I think it's important because this should not be an afterthought, but it's a place that we're going to be, if we are followers of Christ, we're going to be there for all eternity. It would be, it would be like, uh, let's say that, um, let's say that a, a, a team of astronauts that, that NASA is preparing to go to Mars. They have this five-year plan in which they prepare, uh, they, they prepare all the logistics of it, you know, all the scientists and and but but also they prepare the astronauts and they they practice and they plan and for five years and finally the day arrives in, uh, in which the astronauts are going to Mars are going to land on Mars and be there for a few days and so they're being interviewed and and the reporter asks the astronaut so what do you think you're going to find in Mars what are you expecting to see in Mars and what would we think if they were to say to the reporters, well, I don't know, we never really talked about Mars. We just got ourselves ready, you know, went through all the, the things that we go. But we never really, we really discussed Mars. We would think, well, that's odd. You think they'd really study it and, and know what's, you know, every detail about what's happening in Mars. And, uh, but that's the way it is for Christians. We expect to go to heaven, but we don't really think about it. And it doesn't bother us. It's like, what's heaven going to be like? Well, I don't know. I've heard this and I've heard that. Uh, you know, and so we don't get too excited about heaven. And I think that's a mistake. We don't get too excited about heaven uh, because, let's face it, a lot of people have a faulty image. They have a wrong image of heaven. In some cases, they've been taught some things about heaven that aren't necessarily true. We'll talk about some of them here in a minute. Uh, in other cases, uh, they and, and all of us, we do this, you know, we might have heard some things that aren't true about heaven. And then what we don't know, we kind of fill in the gaps ourselves. We kind of fill in the gaps with our own ideas, with our own interpretations. And we think, well, I, I, apparently everybody goes to heaven. 
if you uh, believe every sermon that's preached at every funeral, then everybody's going to heaven. Uh, we want to believe that, right? But we have faulty ideas, wrong ideas about heaven. I read a story uh, about a, a well-known preacher here in the U.S. Uh, he tells a story about when he was in junior high school, he, he attended a Christian school, and uh, he was in the choir. And so, and I, when, he, when I read the story, I thought I, it, it immediately resonated because I know all about junior high boys in a choir class. I know what they're like, you know, as, as Ricky. He was one of them in my choir class. And he was in a, he was in a large choir class where the guys, there were a handful. So I, I immediately thought, okay, I understand the context. It totally makes sense. So he was in the choir, and, and he said one day the boys were misbehaving, uh, and, and, and the teacher was trying to get control of the class. Christian teacher in a Christian school, boys' choir class. And uh, finally, their teacher said in exasperation, she said this to them. She said, you better start singing like I'm telling you, because if you have any plans for going to heaven, that's all we're going to be doing up there. And, and this preacher says, well, I thought, he was in junior high, I thought, well, that's heaven. I don't want to go to heaven. And I have to agree with him. If that's all we're going to be doing in heaven is singing, then I don't know that I want. I love to sing. I love to sing. But I don't know. If that's all we're going to be doing, I don't know if, if I want to go there. Because I've heard people say, you know, in heaven, we're going to be worshiping God 24-7. Well, I mean, I love to worship God, but really, is that all we're going to do? Does the Bible say that's all we're going to do? No. The Bible doesn't say that. But we kind of... Fill in the gaps with our own ideas and our own interpretations. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be all white. People think everybody's going to be wearing white. Everything is going to be all white. Well, that's boring. I mean, would you like to be in a place where everything is white? All the clothes, all the walls, every, all the furniture, everything is white. I, you know, I like some color, I like some variety. And I think God does too. You know, go, uh, go somewhere, anywhere other than San Angelo. You'll see green and... You see rolling hills, and, and you see colors, and you see leaves, you know, the changing of colors, and, and so on. Uh, but heaven, people say, well, it's just going to be a white, or they say, you're going to have wings. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to have wings in heaven. You're not going to be an angel either. When people die, they don't become angels. It doesn't happen. You're not going to be a chubby little cherub in heaven. You're not going to literally wear a white robe. The Bible tells us that uh, of people in, in heaven who are wearing white robes. And that's symbolic. It's symbolic. You're not going to float on clouds. You're not going to automatically know how to play a harp. I think the harp is a beautiful instrument, but I don't want to be playing a harp on a cloud you know, 24-7. I can't think of anything more boring than to be in a colorless place on a cloud playing a harp 24-7. I mean, that makes me not want to go to heaven. But thank God that that's not what heaven is. Heaven is going to be something spectacular. Something beyond our imagination. And God gives us ideas in the scriptures as to what heaven is going to be like. But uh, before we get there, let me just remind you that the only reason we can even talk about heaven today and know that we can go to heaven is because of what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead with power. Think about that. Jesus was dead. He was dead. And alive. Jesus was dead, which means 
No brain activity. No breathing. No growth of any kind. He was dead. In 1989, when my brother Osiel passed away, he was 32 years old. He died of a brain aneurysm. And my dad and I flew down to Austin. Back then, they had a little, uh, one of those little propeller planes between uh, flights between here and Austin. We flew to Austin, and uh, we, we got in to see him uh, and Sandy, his wife, uh, and um, spoke to the doctor, and the doctor said, he was a young man. I remember thinking, but this guy is young. And uh, so he said, you know, your brother is brain dead. There is no brain activity. We've run these tests. And, and then he said, and he even showed me the charts. Well, uh, I didn't know what it meant. You know, it didn't mean anything to me. He said, look, there's no brain activity. And then he said, there is one more test that we could run just to be sure if you want us to. Well, what am I going to say, right? I said, yeah, of course, run it. So they ran it. A couple of hours later, came back. There's absolutely no brain activity. He's, he's brain dead. Um, I mean, that's the way Jesus was. That was the first death in our family. It was really hard for us. And uh, the young man who was a funeral director, in charge of, of the funeral, uh, got to be a good friend of ours. He, he, in fact, after the funeral, he was so impressed with the, the service, with the amount of people that were there, the way people filled up the chapel, filled up the overflow room. This is before social distancing, so people were crowded in. There were people outside in the grass, you know, all in front of the funeral home. And so he decided he wanted to come visit our church, and he did come. He became a member of our church, and so I had a lot of questions for him. You know, it was our, our first really encounter, a close in, encounter with death. And uh, so he, he taught us a lot about that. And he, I remember him saying, look, when somebody dies, I think I asked him this question. You know, when somebody dies, does the hair continue to grow for a little while? Or He says, no, when somebody dies, all growth stops. Everything stops. The person is dead. There is no more life. And uh, that's the way Jesus was. No breathing, no brain activity, no growth. But he came back to life. He conquered death. He rose from the dead. He cleared the way for us to gain an eternal home in heaven. So back to this. What is heaven then? What is heaven? Some people say heaven is a state of mind. I've, I've read of preachers who say, well, heaven is really a state of mind. Or we create our own heaven here on earth. But uh, we know the Bible doesn't teach that. Heaven is a, a place. But I really love Randy Alcorn's definition. Bible teacher Randy Alcorn. Here's a way that he defines heaven. I think it's spot on. He says, heaven is a resurrected life in a resurrected body with a resurrected Christ in a resurrected earth. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That's heaven. Would you read that with me? Read this with me. Here we go. Heaven is a resurrected life in a resurrected body with a resurrected Christ in a resurrected earth. Every one of those phrases is important because we're going to have a resurrected life. We're going to have a body, a literal body. We're going to be, and this is the most important part of heaven, with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ. And we're going to be in a resurrected earth. What a lot of people don't realize is that heaven is really the new heavens and the new earth. That right now, heaven and earth are separated. God's going to bring them all together. 
So heaven is going to look a lot like what we see here, but better. The idea, you know, God wouldn't call heaven the new earth if he didn't want us to use our imagination with our current earth to get an idea of what heaven is going to be like. So heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Listen to the words of Jesus on the night uh, before he was crucified in John 14. I want you to notice what Jesus told his disciples. He was crucified. He said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, in these three verses, twice, Jesus calls heaven a place. I am going to prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place. So he means that heaven, and, and, and he, says, he also says, my father's house, you know, telling us it's, it's a place. He's telling us that heaven is a real place, as real as as San Angelo, Texas, as real as Dallas, as real as New York City uh, or Chicago or any other place. Heaven is a place. The place called heaven is as real as the place we call our city and our home. It's a real place and is filled with real people. Some of you have loved ones who died in Christ. I say this to you often. That's a phrase that Paul uses to identify and to define Christians, people who, who follow Christ, people who have surrendered to Christ. He, he uses the phrase, in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And so Paul teaches that people who have died in Christ, and those are some of your loved ones, are in heaven today. And the Bible also tells us that heaven is a dwelling place of God. His throne is there. The angels are there. And most importantly, Jesus is there. So heaven is a real place. It's where Jesus is right now. It's a real place filled with real people. And uh, the Bible pictures it as a great city filled with all of God's people. In Hebrews 11.10, we read this. That it, we read that for he, speaking of Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So heaven is a city. It's going to be another part of Hebrews tells us it's a country. Well, what do we know about a city? Well, a, a, a city uh, has buildings. A, a city has streets. A city has businesses. A city has people in a city. What do we know about countries? Well, countries have government and countries have boundaries. So we don't know all the details, but I think God is telling us. Sometimes people say, well, we have no idea what heaven's going to be like. We have an idea from Scripture. We know it's a city. Maybe there are, there are uh, several cities or lots of cities. Uh, but we know at least it's the city of the New Jerusalem. We, we know that uh, it's, uh, it's a country. And so what this heavenly city, this heavenly country are going to look like is 
they're going to be, uh, it's going to be a place with no crime, with no violence, with no hospital or clinics. There will be other buildings, but no need for hospital or clinics. It's going to be a, a place with no nursing homes, no funeral homes. I think funeral directors, I, I think they, they, they have such a great opportunity to serve people in need. They won't be needed in heaven. Won't be needed in heaven. Uh, some of you have maybe a handicap sticker in your car. You won't need those in heaven. I think it's going to be a place filled with, with beautiful scenes, parks, rivers, um, just flowers, fruit trees of every kind, every kind of plant life growing free from disease and thorns and thistles. The gates are going to be made of pearl, streets of gold. There's going to be a crystal sea. So, and in the city that God builds, as you read in Hebrews 10, 11, or 11, 10, the city that God builds, there are no tears, no sorrow, no remorse, no bitterness. Doctors have to find new jobs. No more medicine. Accidents are over. Cancer is gone. Heart attacks banished. In heaven, nobody grows old and feeble. And in heaven... There's going to be activity. People will have jobs. We'll, we'll have activities, things to do. We're not going to just be floating on clouds. Uh, heaven is not going to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week worship service. Now, we'll worship God with our activities, and we'll have, certainly have times of bowing down before God. Can you imagine just being around the throne of God and just bowing down before God? But in a city, there are activities. I remember, well, getting back to the, my brother in 1989, when he died, uh, he was on our mind for so many weeks and months afterward. That was our conversation. I remember I went to go see my parents one time after the funeral, and, and uh, we were just talking about him. And my mom said this. She said, I wonder what he's doing in heaven right now. And she, she said, I wonder what job God has given him. Now, I'll be real honest with you. Up to that point, I hadn't really thought in those terms. I hadn't really thought in those terms. But it's, that's exactly right. We're not going to be, you know, useless in heaven. We'll have an opportunity to work for the Lord. Now, the question then uh, that, that comes up, people, have, you know, people answer on their own, sometimes without a basis, is, does everyone go to heaven? Does everyone go to heaven? Like I said earlier, based on uh, some of the funerals that we hear, uh, some of the sermons that we hear in funerals, the answer appears to be yes, but that's not the real answer. That's the answer that a lot of people want to believe. And this goes back to really the beginning of the church. Christians have not only wanted God to save everybody, but they've gone on to argue that the Bible says that God will save everybody. This is a view of salvation called universalism. Universalism believes or teaches that everybody goes to heaven. Everybody's saved because God wants you to be saved. And, and so even if you don't want to be saved, you're going to be saved. And so this teaching goes back really, like I said, to the beginning uh, of, uh, of the Christian era of, uh, of the church. There were some Bible, uh, well, let me put it this way, some, some of the church, early church fathers that that taught this. But where do 
people get this idea. One of the early church fathers that taught this was a man by the name of Origen, who lived in the year, he was born in the year 185 A.D. And uh, he taught this, or he seemed to teach this, his uh, teachings were a little bit uh, complex. But where did he and where do others get this idea? Well, surprisingly, a lot of them use the Bible to arrive at something that they really want to believe. And one of the verses they, they use is the one that we read at the beginning. So if you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 22, we read this, For as in Adam all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Now, people look at that and say, oh, see, so just like in Adam, sin came to the earth through, uh, into the earth through Adam, and Adam all died. So in Christ, all will be resurrected. And, and so by itself, that verse could mean that, but the context doesn't support that interpretation. It's so important when we read the scriptures to to not just read one verse, but to, to get a, a bird's eye view and, and, and read the context. Because when Paul, well, let me ask you this, let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer it, just a rhetorical question. But in this passage, we read more of this passage at the beginning, beginning with verse 20 through verse 23. And in this passage, what is Paul talking about? Well, he's clearly talking about the resurrection of believers. He's talking about specifically the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of Christians, the resurrection of believers. In fact, he says this in the very next verse. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 23. The very next verse, he, he's, after he says, so in Christ all will be made alive, but then he, he, he really clarifies it, verse 23, but each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, here it is, those who belong to him. Those who belong to Him. That is those who die in Christ. Those who are in Christ when they die. Those who have surrendered their lives to Christ. And have trusted in Christ for their salvation. So again, uh, who gets to go to heaven? Well, again, it depends how you respond to Christ. Depends how people respond to Jesus. A lot of people have different opinions of Jesus. Some people listen to His teachings and they say, well, He's a great teacher. And that's as far as they get. Or they look at his miracles and they say, wow, he's a great miracle worker. He does all these miracles. And uh, some people focus really on him uh, on, when they think about the cross. They don't think about how he died on the cross for our sins. They think about how he was executed because he was a revolutionary. He died for a cause. He was a martyr for a cause. And so people might have all those beliefs, but the resurrection, though, the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection is a single witness to the deity of Jesus more than any other witness. Because if Jesus were any less than God, he couldn't have risen from the grave. He couldn't have risen from the dead, but he did, which means that Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, then God came to earth. He stepped out of uh, of. Space and time, and he clothed himself, as Paul says, with human flesh. And he did so to fulfill this mission, to buy our salvation so that you and I would have not just a relationship with him, but would be set free from sin. So we would have victory over sin, and we would be able to enjoy eternity with heaven. 
And the obstacle in the way is sin. Sin is the one obstacle in the, in the way uh, of us living the life that God intended for us to live. Stands in the way of heaven. Stands in the way, sin stands in the way of meeting Jesus face to face. So God sent his son to remove that obstacle of sin. And he raised him from the dead to prove that new life is possible. So the person who believes what I've just explained from Scripture, who places his faith or her faith in Jesus Christ, not in rituals, not in a person, in an institution, an organization, but in Jesus alone as a Savior, Jesus who, has died, who died for our sins and was raised from the dead, that person enters into a new relationship with God. The old things are passed away the, and everything becomes new, Paul says. And that person, if that person is were to, or if that person perseveres to the end, because Jesus said that he who perseveres to the end will be saved, then that person will experience heaven, fully entering into heaven one day soon. So here's, here's what I'm telling you. Heaven is for those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Heaven is for those who have trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that means, I don't have time to cover what it means to trust in Jesus. I'll just say a couple of things. It means you surrender your life to Jesus. Receive His forgiveness. You surrender your life, receive His forgiveness. And it means you receive a new life. It means that God begins to do a work in you. Begins to change the way that you think through your, through your mind. Where you once hated anything to do with Christians. Now you're drawn to God. Where you once weren't interested in coming to church. Now you're drawn to the, the body of Christ or the church. You're drawn to a time of worship with other Christians. You're drawn to the scriptures. Because God is doing a work in you. I'll never forget somebody told me somebody who used to come to church here and moved, moved out of town, was a member here, uh, said to me one time, or he said to a group of us, she said, uh, I'm drawn to this church. She said, I'm, I'm just drawn to this church. And, and I, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said in John 6, 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So he promises the resurrection, but to whom? To everyone who looks to the Son and who believes in him. Those are the ones that have eternal life. Those who place their faith in him for salvation will receive eternal life and enjoy the resurrection from the dead into the personal pre uh, presence of God in heaven. Somebody said it this way, and I love this. Somebody said, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his friends. But one day his friends will be raised from the dead and will appear before Jesus. And that's what we're looking forward to. The most important person you could ever meet face to face is Jesus. Uh, we, we look forward to seeing our loved ones because we know they're there. But the most important person you could ever meet face to face is Jesus. But let me tell you, that before you meet him face to face, you need to meet him in faith here today. In faith 
putting your trust in Him. Because the resurrection of Jesus means that God is knowable and that new life is possible for those who trust in Him. Let me make this very personal. And I say this very rarely because I don't want it to come across as uh, manipulative at all. But I think it's a, it's a legitimate question. If you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven? This is too important, way too important for you to answer, well, I think so. Really, you're going you're gonna to go with that? Or, well, I hope so. I mean, it's like rolling the dice, right? I hope I, I went here. You really want to go with that. Because if you're wrong, you're going to be wrong for a long time. But you, whether you're here today or you're watching online this morning, whether you're watching live or watching a replay, you can know for certain, you can know for certain that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus, a place so spectacular that we, we struggle, we struggle to describe it, and we have to rely on what the scriptures tell us. You can make that decision today. All you got to do is, is surrender your life to Jesus. All you got to do is say, God, forgive my sins. Forgive me for living as if there were no God, as if you didn't exist. And for, forgive me for trusting in my ways to try to get in, on your good side and to try to earn your favor, earn your grace. Today I trust in what Jesus did for me. He died in my place, a death that I deserved. He offers me forgiveness. Just say that to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse my life. I want to begin a new life today. I surrender my will. I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to come and to change my heart. Make me a new person. That's what salvation is. And you can do that today. You can have that experience today. Now, let me just say this. No one goes to heaven by accident. No one goes to heaven by accident. Heaven is God's prepared place for prepared people. Let's prepare today. Would you bow for prayer? If there's someone who is listening today, whether someone here in this place or someone who is watching online, you're ready to make that decision. Then I'm going to ask you to take a bold step of faith. With uh, eyes closed so you can, so you don't feel like you're being signaled uh, out with your eyes closed, I want to ask you, is there someone here today who is ready, who, who is ready to say, I surrender my life to God from this day forward. I'm asking God to save me. If that's you, just, just raise your hand. We're not going to ask anything else if you just want to pray for you. Yes, somebody else. Anybody else? Be bold. Be brave. Don't leave this to chance. Anybody else? Hands up in the air saying, I'm ready to give my life to God. Maybe you're watching at home. I see those hands. God bless you. Maybe you're watching at home. You also can make this decision. We've had some people here raise their hands and say, I'm ready to surrender my life. I'm ready to start a new life with Jesus. You at home can do this right now as well. Whether you're in your living room, you're watching, or, or maybe you're in another room, another location, but you're hearing, and what you're feeling today is the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart. 
Say yes to Jesus today. Surrender your life to him. Just tell him as we pray here in a, in a moment. Just tell him, God, forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you and I start a new walk with you today. I want to pray with you. I want to invite you all to stand together. We, we would right now. So we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we come before you, Lord. And I thank you, God, that because of the resurrection of your son, we have the hope of an eternal home, a real place in heaven. Lord, we don't want to just go to heaven because we're afraid to die, but we want to go there because we know what that means. It means that we enjoyed a life with you here on earth. And so right now I pray for that man, that woman, the people here in this building, others who are watching online, who have decided, I'm giving my life to the Lord. Lord, I pray that as they surrender their lives to you, they would know without a doubt that their sins are forgiven. That your love, the love that sent Jesus to the cross, is fully for them and in them. Come on, just ask God, Lord, come into my life. Just ask Him in your own simple way. Ask Him, God, forgive my sins. Forgive my past. I want to be a new person. I want to be changed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Just tell Him, Lord, save me. Save me for myself, for my sin, for my past. Change me. Bring the joy that I have needed, the peace that I have needed. Lord, we thank you. For these prayers that are being raised up to you right now, Lord. They're being raised up to you and they, Lord, they come up to you like a sweet aroma. Hearts that are humble, hearts that are repentant before you, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Right now, lives are being changed. Right now, something is happening in the heavenlies and something is happening in the lives and hearts of those who are surrendering to you right now. Thank you, Father, for those today who have taken this step. Thank you for those who have taken this step. We bless you. We bless you. If you prayed that today, just tell you, if you prayed that today, and you believed it with all your heart, you believed in you, you may not have understood, maybe not even understand every detail uh, about salvation, but you know that you surrendered your life to God. I want you to know that God has touched you. God has saved you. God has forgiven you. From this day forward, follow him with all your heart. I want us to finish our time together singing that song that we sang earlier about the goodness of God. Heaven is a prime example of the goodness of God. But here on earth, folks, it's not bad when we're with Christ and in Christ. So let's worship him today. Bethany, come and lead us in this song.
my life. 